the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. And, uh, well, as always, welcome and thank you for tuning in. We have a lot of work to do. As I tell people all the time, you've got to listen, got to pay attention. Do me a favor, pass this on to someone else. I know I have a friend of mine out, uh, Patrick, from Western Virginia, who's uh, been listening regularly on the podcast. Uh, great guy. I Do me a favor, Patrick, pass this on to someone else for me. Uh, send the link to someone so they can listen in. Spread the word. Uh, today, I'm going to explain to you how we, you and I, are are together, our little family here. We're ahead of the curve, ahead of the curve again, and uh, I think we're going to be riding the crest of this wave uh, that we were right about a few months ago. We'll get to that in a moment. Uh, we will have some uh, wonderful guests again. Uh, I'm excited, as always, to uh, visit with my old friend Ted Malik uh, and see what he is up to. Uh, also, we will. Um, I'll get a wrap up on the Rittenhouse case. There's not much to report right now. Now, another day of deliberations doesn't make much sense to me, uh, makes me think nothing good is coming uh, out of that. So uh, we will see. But um, so we'll talk to Ted Malik. Then we'll also talk with Ron Kessler. You know, Ron Kessler at the um, long, he's got about 50 years of investigative reporting, a number of books on the White House. He's a good guy to ask about what's happening to Biden. So we will do so uh, in a few moments. All right. Remember, if you visit ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com, you can listen to all these segments. More importantly, you can sign up for the Daily Wink. That's what you need to know. W-Y-N-K. What you need to know. The T-O is uh, dropped. It's lowercase. Forget about it. Wink. And the Daily Wink comes as an email every morning at 8 a.m. East Coast time. It gives you a couple of links, a couple of key points. Usually uh, this segment here that we're talking about, that we're talking together. But also, and importantly, I think you'll find that we see... Together, down the playing field, further than most people. And the example for today, what you need to know today, is Trump for Speaker. Speaker Trump. Now, it's been about six months. I went to go back and look, and I didn't have time. The first time I brought this up, that the Speaker of the U.S. House does not have to be a House member. It can be anyone and it's been talked about in the past. There were times where people talked about bringing this person or that person in. Uh, the more, the mo- most recent one was when the uh, when the Republicans were struggling to figure out someone. There was talk about you know could Gingrich come back? And uh, since he's not a member of the U.S. House, it was clear he could. I mean, anyway, that's in the Constitution. There is a requirement that the leader of the Senate be a senator. It's uh, it's silent on the Speaker of the House, and so that's read to mean it could be somebody else. Could be somebody who's not in the House. And my argument about Speaker Trump was A, he wouldn't have to run a national election, and he would be in very, very powerful position. Remember, the Speaker of the House, the, the, the Speaker of the House is really the, the strongest single position in terms of its body. You know, the president is bigger because he's the president of the United States and the executive branch and the military. But in terms of absolute power, once you're elected speaker, you control everything. What goes to the floor of the House, what bills are are filed and proceeded on, all that stuff. And it's a big deal. 
And one of the things I explain to people is you have no power if you're in the minority, period. If you're the minority in the House, Speaker Pelosi doesn't care what you do. Witness in the last 24 hours that they put a motion on the floor to censure Paul Gosar about a video or a meme or a cartoon that one of his staff posted that could have been called satire, could have been called a bad joke, could have been called mean-spirited, I don't know. But they're spending floor time, and they're, they're crying about it, and they're censuring a, I don't know, 60-year-old man, calling him down to the well of the house to read a motion of censure and sort of slap him on the hand, slap him on the knuckles figuratively in front of the world. Silly, right? But totally controlled by Pelosi. And earlier uh, on Thursday... Uh, Kevin McCarthy, who desperately wants to be the next speaker, if he can hold on to being uh, the leader of his uh, caucus, he said, as soon as I'm speaker, if I'm speaker, we'll give back Gosar his committees, because that's what Pelosi did also. She stripped Congressman Gosar of his committees. Now, my point here is to underscore, when you're the speaker of the House, you're in charge. Here's the things you're in charge of. I mean, 100% totally in charge. Watch this. Be careful. Listen. You're in charge of the Capitol Police, the Capitol grounds, all the office space in the Capitol. I mean, you could pull somebody's office. If you're a speaker, you could pull their parking spot. You have control. That's this physical plant. You have control over the agenda that goes to the floor of the U.S. House. And all spending bills have to come through the House. That's in the Constitution. So you may not be able to confirm ambassadors. That's in the U.S. Senate. You may not be able to confirm judges. That's in the U.S. Senate. You do get a chance, by the way, to confirm a nominee for vice president. If, as many people surmise, Joe Biden may decide to retire or worse, Kamala Harris, as president, would have to nominate her VP. This happened, by the way. It happened to Nixon, who nominated Ford, who, because he was former Speaker of the House, was, you know, was uh, honor among thieves and was put through, became VP. He became president. Never won a race himself, became president because Nixon resigned. And then Ford had to nominate Rockefeller. Well, right now, the Democrats control both houses, so you can expect they would get someone, probably a member. But it would be a battle, especially in the Senate. And when the Republicans win, if they win in 2022, they would be able to block that. So my point here is six months ago, we started talking about what would it be like if the Republicans won the House and the and the, the, the serious power, the, the the messaging power, the dominant power of the Speaker of the House, who is third in line, the president, the vice president, and then the Speaker of the House. If that position was filled by Trump and Trump said, we're going to build the wall. And he said, I'm not going to file a bill, a budget bill, extension of the debt ceiling, anything, unless you build a wall. I'm not going to have any bill without the Hyde Amendment and a defund Planned Parenthood Amendment. And I'm just going to not going to allow it. I'm going to not allow any bill to pass until we get a bill that puts the clamps on China killing our kids with fentanyl. Okay, you get the point. If Donald Trump was speaker... He would have the bully pulpit of the speaker and he would have the absolute power. He would have the power of that chamber, just that chamber. It's only one, right? The Senate can say we're not doing it anyway. It it, it may, in some ways, it may be too frustrating for Trump, who's used to being an executive. But my goodness, it would be a dominant position. And so three weeks ago on this program, we had Mark Meadows, the former congressman from South Carolina, who served as chief of staff to President Trump. And I asked Mark Meadows, what about Trump serving as speaker? He said, I kind of like the idea. I said to Meadows, maybe you could be speaker. 
Well, Mark Meadows in the last 48 hours, is, of course, he's pushing his book. I had him on talking about his book. And he was on, I think, Congressman Matt Gates' podcast. And he was talking. He said, yeah, maybe Trump will be speaker. And then he later went on Bannon's podcast and he said that. And Bannon said, Trump should be speaker for 100 days, set the agenda, then retire and run for president. And here's the thing. I think I'm the first one that was talking about Trump being a speaker six months ago, eight months ago. And now people are talking. Now, I, I will say, I talked about it six or eight months ago. Around the same time, I did hear Congressman Gates, Matt Gates from uh, Florida, say he would vote for uh, Trump. So it's catching on. But my point is, it, focus on it. It's delicious. It's delicious because, again, um, I looked back at a history of Tip O'Neill. Tip O'Neill was Speaker of the House during the Reagan years. He was a Democrat from Massachusetts. And Tip O'Neill was, I think he was in Speaker for five years, maybe six. And he was he was considered one of the classic, uh, sort of the last of the old guard. He'd worked his way up. He'd been in office for a long time. He got along with everybody, including Republicans. You know, there hadn't been a Republican majority. They were in minorities in the House for decades, 50 years almost, until Gingrich won. So so O'Neill just had to manage his caucus. But he was got along with everybody. And most of the Republicans had sort of Stockholm syndrome. They were just so beaten down, they would go along with stuff. And O'Neill, Tip O'Neill, he got along okay with Reagan, mostly because Reagan would deal and his staff would deal. But here's the thing, Tip O'Neill in his biography, and it was an authorized biography, it wasn't an autobiography, but his biography, great. there were great lengths, a chapter or two, on Tip O'Neill as speaker, deciding that because his position was so central in the American Constitution and the, and, the, and the power that he had, he was going to play a major role in foreign affairs. He wasn't embarrassed about it. He said, I'm going to play. It was mostly Latin America, where Tip O'Neill was a lefty and wanted to help the communists, actually. And Reagan, of course, was fighting the communists and proclaiming the Monroe Doctrine and all that stuff. But my point here is anyone who says the tradition, the speaker is supposed to stick to her knitting or stick to his knitting and just do this or that. They don't know what they're talking about historically. And so imagine Trump's agenda. He could impeach Biden. He could set up a select committee, just like Pelosi did, a select committee on election integrity. He could set up a, a, a select committee on uh, on fraudulent intelligence officers who go to work for NBC, ABC or or William and Mary. That's Brennan, Clapper and Comey. All these kinds of things. He could do all this. He could take on China. He could he could uh, he could. Um, here's one. Are you ready for this one? As Speaker of the House, you get to pick the chaplain. As Speaker of the House, you get to pick the person who opens with the Pledge of Allegiance. How about this? How about we get a serious Judeo-Christian prayer every day in the House and get one written, a specific new one written, a new prayer that celebrates America's exceptionalism, its founding, its goodness, and have that read every single day in the House chamber as they open up and then have a five-minute lecture a, a professional lecture by whoever, and it would be, could be read by somebody, could be researched by the Speaker's office, on America's exceptionalism, its greatness, highlighting a great American, a great a tradition, a founder, and teach the people, publish them. I'll, I'll tell you what made me think of this. A, a while ago, I, was, uh, I noticed, someone told me, referred me to a book that John Paul II authored called Theology of the Body. And I had always thought it was a book. I mean, I'd, always, I'd read it. It was a textbook. I'd, I mean, a textbook. It was a, it was a book. It actually was the, uh, a, a compilation of his weekly addresses over a, a multi-year period where he gave a 15-minute address every Wednesday, and, he, and it was compiled. So the, the, the U.S. House, under a pro-America speaker, could do that kind of thing. My point is, 
The, the, uh, the possibilities are endless. Build a wall. I told you that earlier. We're not going to put any bill on the floor until we build the wall. Fund building the wall. We're not going to fall for uh, the tricks and, and say, oh, I'm a pro-life president, excuse me, a pro-life speaker like Paul Ryan was, and do nothing on pro-life. No, no. We want to see... I don't want you to ban Roe v. Wade. I think it's. I don't think it's possible right now. I think the courts have to do some things to reverse bad decisions. But you know what the next speaker could do? It could say every bill will have the Hyde Amendment on it, which means no tax dollars for abortion. Every bill will have a supercharged Hyde Amendment that will defund Planned Parenthood. My point is, can you imagine the bully pulpit with a President Trump coming in and becoming Speaker Trump. Plus, imagine the gavel handoff that's traditional from the outgoing Speaker Pelosi to the incoming Speaker Trump. Are you kidding me? By the way, the, the cable news network should want this more than anybody because can you imagine the coverage and the excitement of it? It would be wild. It would be wild. All right. So we're, what we're saying on this program together, the Pro-America Report, what we're doing together is we're laying out the vision and we got more work to do because it'll catch on. Trust me, Bannon listens to this program. Uh, uh, Meadows, of course, was on this program. People pass it around and you should too. So please visit ProAmericaReport.com. Pass this on to other folks and we will take a break. And when we come back, we will talk with our old friend Ted Malik and then Ron Kessler. We'll catch up on the Biden White House uh, through the eyes of Ron Kessler, the uh, award-winning investigative reporter, uh, Ron Kessler. RonaldKessler.com is his website. Be right back. Ed Martin here in a Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Ed Martin here in a Pro-America Report. Time to check in with our old friend Ted Malik. Dr. Ted Malik, of course, is a uh, an author, a historian, a businessman, a professor, a lot of things. And he's a columnist right now, very frequently, uh, happily, at American Greatness. AmGreatness.com is our website. I'll put his piece up. New piece, thank you, Bull Durham. And then a subheading, the special counsel has exposed the coup d'etat for what it is. Now, Ted... You've been watching this, writing about how crazy the Russia, Russia, Russia hoax was. You know, it was all, it was political and all. But even you must have watched and thought, holy cow, what John Durham, you're referring to the uh, prosecutor, has exposed. It is amazing, isn't it? It is. He's doing a good, thorough job. Took him a while. Some people were critical of that. But uh, I say he's a lot like Kevin Costner in that famous Bull Durham uh, (laughs) movie. He just doesn't give up. He's dogged. He doesn't get the girl in this yeah. case. He gets the crooks. He gets the crooks. So you you must know uh, but, that I wrote the original. I wrote the original book on this topic. So uh, it would not be a lie to say I'm the authority. Yeah, but but even but even you. I mean, let, well, we'll pull back as a historian, a guy that's written on history books and all. Um, is there ever been anything like this? I mean, this is as you, you no, call it a coup d'état. No. It, it's in history books they'd write about how there was there was a a, a conspiracy. The the top law enforcement, you know, the FBI, uh, the the media, the candidate Hillary Clinton and her campaign did this. I mean, and they took out a president. Oh, it sounds like a Tom Clancy movie, or, or you know, something yeah. that's fictional. There is a BBC television uh, show actually that is, is about an MI6 agent who can't get away from his previous life and comes back one more time. And there's a little bit of that in here. Uh, in, in fact, you know, this uh, so-called MI6 British intelligence agent is at the center of the whole uh, controversy. I'll use the British word. When I wrote this book, I was sitting in London. And I must say, I know people who know 
uh, Mr. Steele, and he is a devious soul. He also has not been to Russia for 20 years. Uh, is it like America? If, if someone tells you they were a former CIA agent, you know they're sort of still a CIA agent. Is that how it works? In, in I mean, I, I, you, I mean, you, you don't ever you don't ever leave, right? I mean, that's that's part of the deal. Well, I think it's baked into your DNA. It's who you are. Uh, I, and I, I, I'm you know not opposed to spying or to uh, you know clandestine <laughs> activity or to. You know, uh, well, you know, uh, analysis because intelligence is rather important. But uh, this was Intelgate. This was the intelligence community being weaponized to take down a candidate who became president of the United States. I mean, it's exactly what it was. When I, you know, and I got in all kind of trouble for writing this book, and I was called a conspiracy theory myself. Um, you know, and people lambasted the book, and you know. They, uh, they said it can't be true, and every sentence I wrote in that book has turned out to be true, and there are actually now, thanks to Mr. Dorham, a whole lot more sentences that are also true. We're talking with uh, Ted Malik, and he's referring, by the way, the book came out May 15th, 2018. I just looked it up to see, uh, published by Skyhorse, available anywhere you find books. The Plot to Destroy Trump, How the Deep State Fabricated the Russian Dossier to Subvert the President. Um, so you were a little bit ahead of the, all this. Um what happens next, though, Ted? I mean, what happens next? It looks like they're getting away with it. Well, maybe we, quote, unquote, lock her up. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, no, there, there will be more names. The list goes on. Durham has the goods. So we know who's on that list, and there'll be some more surprises. Uh, the real question for me is, and I know, you know, way I end this piece, uh, is uh, how high in the food chain will he actually go? I mean, will they right. uh, indict uh, Barack Hussein Obama? Probably unlikely. He knew all about it. We know from the Lisa Page emails. Will John Brennan, you know, get his head put in uh, you know, in the stocks? Well, he was the kingpin of the whole thing. He started and framed this uh, this uh, hurricane uh, fiasco. James Comey, I mean, how many times he lied? McCabe does seem like the person that they will get. I'm, I'm going to predict that. He's at the top of the they're going to get him. Uh, Peter Strzok, Lisa Page. I mean, probably won't go after Loretta Lynch, although we all know what happened in that tarmac in Phoenix. Um, James, ba- James Baker the, it was the FBI bagman. He's already turned. So he's basically got himself out of trouble by turning on his old uh, cronies and friends. Can you indict Christopher Steele? You could. Would the Brits let us... Um, uh, uh, extract him or extradite him from the UK. That would be interesting. I'd love to be part of that. Uh, uh, Glenn Simpson is, and he'll be gone. He's in the food chain. Uh, Bruce or Nelly uh, or uh, Susan. The, the Ryan one I would, the one I happen to yeah, love. That's the, Susan Power. That's Susan, the, I'm sorry, Samantha Power. She, I'm told, uh, unmask yours truly. So I'm, I have a special interest in her. Then you have Ben Rhodes and Jake Sullivan. They're both her flunkies up to this in their eyeballs. And, of course, Jake Sullivan is currently the national security advisor to President Biden. I, I wonder, the one I wonder, 
Yeah, it's quite a list. I mean, I wonder most about uh, Susan Rice. It feels to me like Susan Rice, maybe Samantha Powers, but Susan Rice, who was in that White House right at Obama's right hand, sort of whatever whatever they perceive Valerie Jarrett was like in terms of her close relationship. I think she was more of a friend and, and you know, a close confidant. But I think in terms of who was, uh, you know, really uh, ripping around the White House, getting things done, I think it was Susan Rice. But I, I wonder. So, uh, Ted, to be optimistic, you're optimistic that Durham's not done. You're not you're not saying to yourself, oh, man, Durham did a few things. I don't I don't I don't buy the anti, uh, you know, the uh, Andrew McCarthy thesis that this is all out of gas and he's not going to get anybody else. And, you know, just have to put it. I don't buy that at all. I think he's dogged. He's going after these people. He has a plan and he's ticking it off and they're going to be a bunch more. Uh, And again, the question is how up how far up in the food chain he actually succeeds. But he's got the goods. Uh, we're talking with Ted Malik again to, uh, the former DNI, of course, he gave him a thousand pages, uh, of source material that, uh, you know, have, have not been, uh, disclosed yet, have not been, uh, made public. So we don't even know what are in those thousand pages. Uh, the Plot to Destroy Trump was a book by Ted Malik from a couple of years ago. It still fits, reads like a read like fiction, perhaps back then it reads like the, the a transcript now, um, Ted, but, um, Ted, do you think, how does this fit into history? I mean, it really is a coup, right? I mean, this has never been, we've never had anything like this, have we? We have not in American history, fortunately. I mean, other countries have had this and worse, you know, real coups. America has been immune from that. So this is a real scar on our, on our Democratic Republic. Uh, and, and the Democratic Party, you know, DNC knew about it. They paid for it. They concocted the whole thing, and their candidate is at the tip of the spear. Yeah, it is amazing. All right, Ted Malik, thank you, as always, for your time. And again, his book is The Plot to Destroy Trump a few years ago, but reads, like I said, like a transcript now. Uh, we got to take a break, uh, Ted. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. <laughs> Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Been meaning to catch up with my old friend Ron Kessler. And RonaldKessler.com is his website. You see a lot of his writings and his books. Uh, he's a former Washington Post and Wall Street Journal investigative reporter. One of his more recent books is The Trump White House, Changing the Rules of the Game. Uh, he buries the lead here every time I have to come back and reclaim it because I think out of school, his first job was with the Worcester Telegram. Is that right, Ron? That's right. Yes, and, there you go. So my my my, <laughs> my alma mater, yeah, my yeah. alma mater, College of the Holy Cross. I, I was introduced to the Worcester Telegram, so I want to make sure to give them a plug. All right, Ron. Before we get to uh, one of your recent columns on climate and Biden, um, broadly, you know, you've written about the White House of the Bush White House, the Trump White House. You've written about uh, the, I guess maybe the White House, but certainly the ins and outs of Washington uh, under Obama. At this point in the Biden administration. I, it almost couldn't have been couldn't be going worse in terms of popularity, if not effectiveness. Yeah. And, and above all, uh, Biden has lost all credibility, which which began with Afghanistan. Everybody recognized what, what a calamity that was, how he lied about it. They continue to lie. I mean, just just today, Kamala said that uh, uh, it was Trump who, who caused the border crisis tried to blame Trump. 
it's a it's a train wreck uh, and 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 a joke. It really is. There's no nothing uh, to compare with with how foolish these people look. Uh, we're talking with uh, Ron Kessler, and Ron, again, RonaldKessler.com is his website, and you can get linked to a lot of his writings, his books, as well as his columns. And um, Ron, when I was looking back at uh, reading your stuff, it was a couple of years ago now, you wrote uh, a piece in the Washington Times about a year and a half ago called Time to, the title was Time to Rename the J. Edgar Hoover Building, and the subtitle, In His Reign as Director, Hoover Engaged in Massive Injustices and Abuses of American Rights. Here's what I wanted to ask you. As much as we see today... The problems of the FBI and the problems of bureaucratic corruption. And there's lots of ways you can, you know, critique that. One can say, oh, the FISA court was listening to, you know, bad, uh, bad filings from the FBI or the, 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 the national uh, intelligence, uh, director of national intelligence under uh, Brennan or Clapper, whoever, you know, those guys haven't, you know, wrapped themselves in glory. There's a lot of ways to be critical. But Hoover was pretty rotten, too. We just didn't know about it till a decade or two later. Right. That's right. We didn't know about it until uh, there was a break-in at the Media Pennsylvania uh, office, and they uncovered these documents showing how uh, the FBI, uh, you know, literally spied. You know, that word is is often misused, but but uh, spied on on anybody who who questioned the government. Uh, and uh, you know, who who was sort of a Jekyll and Hyde figure on the one a lot of good things. He created this organization. He started the filing system. He would not tolerate uh, uh, brutality against suspects. Uh, he created the um, fingerprint system. But at the same time, he engaged in these massive abuses. And and everybody was aware of it. He, he It was all to keep his job. He would, he would uh, blackmail presidents. He would Black male members of Congress, uh, so that was that really was a, a dark period. Now we see um, sort of uh, more uh, discreet, uh, if you will, uh, abuses. That is, we corruption at the top of the FBI uh, over the over the Trump investigations. Uh, this latest thing is is just a mess. Uh, I think a lot of it is, you know, the FBI never. First of all, should not have been involved at all in in uh, school board uh, meetings. Uh, but beyond that, you know, people have adopted the Patriot Act business. It had nothing to do with the Patriot Act. Uh, it's it's simply uh, an abuse, uh, an overreach by the FBI to to get into uh, school board meetings and what goes on there. Uh, we're talking again, Ron Kessler. RonaldKessler.com is his website. I'm looking, Ron, and while you're talking about the list of books, uh, back uh, with your first book on, on the life insurance game, uh, all the way down through uh, spies and the Soviet spies, CIA, uh, FBI, especially the one on the Secret Service in the White House. Extraordinary uh, stuff. stuff uh, again, RonaldKessler.com. To your recent piece, which uh, a column you wrote uh, that I want to refer to on Biden. And the reason I went from Hoover and your column a few years ago talked about the FBI today for whatever reason it doesn't matter why is what i mean there's lots of reasons trust in the government and what they tell us feels feels i, I don't know what the surveys back it up but it feels like it's at an all time low like if they told you the sky was blue right now you'd be like yeah i'm going to check that myself right and and here we are and we've got biden on this climate agenda and as you point out in this piece that uh, washington times again 
one after another. It's just nonsense, misdirection. And on top of it, it's hundreds of billions of dollars, at least in the last just recent bill and maybe more in the next one, spent on things that don't make sense, solar panels and electric cars. And it's really um, it's and I guess the point is with um, at the current moment, if you're Biden, Pelosi and Schumer, you just hold your nose and keep going forward because you're still changing America, I guess. You know, the, the irony is, if you want to find out uh, what a fraud the whole climate agenda is, you only need to read the Washington Post and the New York Times because both papers carried, uh, although buried inside, stories last June reporting on the official U.S. government readings of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. You would think that when the economies of the world shut down, everything, you know, there were no cars on the roads, the trains were shut down, the planes were shut down, um, that and offices and homes were, were shut down, you would think that there would be a drastic reduction in carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. No, in fact, there was a slight increase during the pandemic. And uh, that tells you everything you need to know about whether human activity contributes to carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. Uh, and and uh, beyond that, uh, I quote in this uh, piece, all these efforts by climate scientists, so-called, to explain it away, and everything is contradictory because the whole idea of uh, uh, human activity contributing to global warming, which has occurred to a very small extent, uh, was always a theory. It was not based on any evidence. And and each so-called scientist uh, uh, offers a different explanation, which are often uh, contradictory. Uh, uh, you know, one of them said, well, uh, it's like some some crazy sentence that doesn't even make any sense uh, that it's like a landfill and and you know it's not the change wasn't enough to make a difference uh, and then another uh, uh, individual said uh, well actually uh, it's soil and and vegetation that really contribute to global warming and and uh, carbon dioxide in other words all of all of the efforts to uh you know remake our whole economy uh based on this this theory uh is, is just foolishness and and uh you would think that this would be picked up by by uh, somebody no it's all ignored hasn't been picked up by the politicians certainly not by the media um it's it's as if it doesn't exist so it's really like the emperor's new clothes you know and and on top of all this, uh, Biden actually said something honest during his State of the Union address. It was not in the text, but he departed from the text. Very few in the media picked up. But what he said was, uh, we, the U.S., only contribute 15 percent of the carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. The rest is other countries. So even if we do everything perfectly, meaning, you know, remake our economy, it won't make any difference. And that's the bottom line on the whole situation. Well, and we're talking again with Ron Kessler and his pieces at the Washington Times. I'll put it up on social media. Also, if you go over to RonaldKessler.com, uh, you can see all of his writings. Uh, and and on top of all that, Ron, what came out of the Glasgow meeting, this great summit and all, or whatever it was called, um, China said, 
by 2036, we promise to do better on carbon. 2036 or something what like that. Joke. As if what anybody, they don't even keep their promise for, for 20 days from now. And we said, you know what we said? Biden said, we're going to spend hundreds of billions of dollars more on solar panels. And the largest producer of solar panels in the world is China. So China yeah. went to a meeting, didn't even show up at the meeting, but put out a press release at the end of the meeting and said, by the way, we'll try to get better on carbon by 30 years from now or whatever number it was, 25 years. I don't even know. But and by, and then we said, oh, yeah, that's great. And, and we'll buy more solar panels from China. I, I, I mean, if you if you could keep up with the insanity, you would be stunned and, and you would be disgusted as your column shows. And we're talking about. So then I pause and I say, but Ron, you've watched a lot of politics, a lot of the American people. They do seem to be falling off away from Biden dramatically. Yes. Are, are they picking up on the incompetence? Is that the best way to say it? And and are we headed towards as big a tsunami as it looks like in 2022? Oh, yeah. No, no question. You know, the, just the lack of credibility, the, the, the obvious uh, contrast between the truth, for example, on the border, uh, Kamala Harris saying, you know, that... Uh, that actually, actually, the crisis on the border is is Trump's fault. Uh, all these, you know, uh, transparent lies. Uh, on the one hand, on the other hand, the you know inflation, you know, and and uh, Biden actually uh, uh, a- after causing this inflation in many respects by by shutting down uh, oil leases, shutting down pipelines, say, now saying. Uh, that he wants the FTC to investigate whether it's because the oil companies are, are rigging prices. Uh, again, total, total, uh, totally dishonest uh, comment, uh, and, and, and people see through it. I think what's really important to, to notice is that in polls, over and over again, uh, uh, aside from the low approval rating on, on Biden, people seem to recognize uh what what uh is common sense they they uh are against defunding the police for example uh and uh that's that's very important i think it shows you know that overall americans have not uh lost their senses that they they uh they are uh they have common sense and that in the end is going to is going to uh kick these people out of office uh, last question, Ron Kessler, RonaldKessler.com is his website. Well, double question. It's a two-part question. Um, will Trump run for president, and do you think he should? Well, I certainly think he should not. Um, and uh, uh, on the question of whether he will, I, you know, I think in the end he may decide, you know, he doesn't want the headache. He's having more fun playing golf at, at Mar-a-Lago. So, I really uh, doubt if he will actually run. And uh, I think uh, DeSantis looks good, and uh, we will see. All right. Ronald Kessler, thank you for taking the time. Again, RonaldKessler.com is his website, writing over at Washington Times for this recent column and many, many books. I have about four or five of them, uh, every one more interesting than the next. So thanks, Ron. Thank you, Ed. Appreciate it. All right. Okay, we'll take a break, everybody, and we'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report, back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Mrs. Schlafly was a courageous and articulate voice for traditional values and common sense for more than 70 years. Now, continuing that legacy, the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. 
All eyes are on a key case currently before the U.S. Supreme Court. Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization is the first big challenge to Roe v. Wade since President Trump's three nominees were appointed to the high court. Arguments are scheduled to be held on December 1st, with a decision being handed down sometime next year. In the meantime, America waits with bated breath to see what the political landscape will look like next year with regards to the abortion issue. It's clear to court monitors that the Dobbs case has the power to rock the nation. One way that people can get involved in the time leading up to the decision is to file what is called an amicus brief with the court. Similar to how individual citizens can often submit testimony on pending legislation, amicus briefs allow legal groups to present legal arguments before the high court in written form. Many of these briefs have already been filed in the Dobbs case, both pro-life and pro-choice, but one is particularly heartbreaking to me. A group of 500 female athletes filed a brief which argues that they need to be able to kill their unborn children in order to succeed at their athletic pursuits. The signatories on the brief include 73 professional athletes, high-profile women like the soccer player Megan Rapino, and two major players' unions. Despite what these sports figures would have you to believe, abortion does not empower women. It takes away the greatest power women have. Feminists complain all the time about how men dominate power structures, but no man can replace the vital role that women have in our society. They have the power to give life and to nurture that life. How can sports compare? From soccer to volleyball to basketball, America is home to some of the greatest female athletes in the world. Maybe pregnant women cannot compete in sports to the same level as their counterparts, but why should that matter? I enjoy sports, but what sport is worth the life of a child? We need to empower women to embrace motherhood, not shame them into killing their child for a trophy. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Despite the outrageous pro-abortion stance of many liberals, the vast majority of American people value human life. More than ever, pro-life voices need to stay vigilant and be heard. At phyllisschlafly.com, we're not backing down. Please, join us in the battle for life at phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, I want to give a quick shout out to my friend Adam Angievsky at OpenTheBooks.com. He's been a regular guest on this program. And as we're wrapping up the show today, I just want to point you to his column in Forbes magazine or Forbes.com, better said. It runs regularly. I, he, he's listed as a senior contributor. Of course, he's the founder and president of OpenTheBooks.com. And I cannot recall in my head um, if his piece, if his if Forbes column runs every week or every other week or when, uh, but it's always good. It's, it's always helpful. And um, he, he posted a piece a day or so ago, and the title is FBI and Other Agencies Paid Informants $548 Million in Recent Years with Many Committing Authorized Crimes. 
Now, first of all, let me salute Adam Andrzejewski. OpenTheBooks.com is a, an organization that seeks transparency by asking governments, government agencies and others to disclose how they're spending the money. And they're very smart, Adam and his team. They're very uh, committed, and, and uh, that's not the word. I mean, they are committed, but they're, um, pers- they're persistent. You've got to play the game. You've got to ask the question the right way, re- make requests. Some state-level requests require this kind of format. Some federal FOIA requests require others. So uh, openthebooks.com. Check it out if you haven't. Great organization doing really important work. Well, Adam's piece in uh, Forbes highlights this this question. And and we talked a few moments ago with Ron Kessler uh, about his writings on the FBI and CIA. And he he did write a column a few years ago about how J. Edgar Hoover, he was so mean. He, 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 as as Ron Ron Kessler said, he did do some good things, but he really got uh, sort of uh, hooked on power. And he was doing some things that really were un-American and... um, and so Ron, when we were talking to him, he was saying, you know, all these entities uh, you have to be careful with. And, and one of the tools that helps them stay uh, on the up and up is transparency and knowing what they're doing. So you read this piece in Forbes. You're talking about over $500 million that's spent for informants, people to uh, par- sort of participate in getting to the bad guys, quote unquote. So Amazon truck drivers that are delivering packages into places and all and other things, form uh, informants. And, and frankly, we only know the spending. We don't really know. Some of this stuff would have to be secret for security. So, but just heads, heads up on OpenTheBooks.com. Check them out and uh, tip my hat to them for their great work, Adam and his team. And we'll get into that story some more. I, I think we have to, if we're going to rebuild the trust in our institutions, you got to shine a light in and make sure what they're doing is on the up and up. So uh, uh, it's good stuff over there. All right, I'll put it up on social media. we got to run. Thank you for listening. Thank you to Noah Dingley, our producer, Joanna Spilger, our assistant who helps book our guests. We'll be back tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Talk to you then. is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.